0: the nba finals begin this evening it's going to be a very interesting finals and uh, one that we haven't seen arguably before but certainly some pieces we haven't seen in quite some time and we know the bucks we think the bucks have a new coach we know he won't be the highest paid coach in the league that reserve falls to another central division coach i'm justin garcia she's camille davis we'll get into it on lockdown bucks max him down Spinning. Locked on Bucks, As I mentioned, I'm Justin Garcia. She's Camille. We're filling in for Kane and Frank today. And uh, Camille, I mentioned at the top, as we record this, we are, I know they adjusted the tip time. So we're what, about two hours away Mm -hmm. from the NBA finals game one beginning. Um, It's, and I've been asked about this a couple of times on on a show earlier today, actually too, but how much, I guess we'll start with the two teams. What do you think the public perception is going to be of this finals?
1: That's the, that's the question. We have all of the, uh, the, the ratings watchers coming out saying it's going to be an extremely low rated finals. And it might be, but um, as a Bugs fan, one thing I can relate to is this predicament here, because when we made it to the finals in 2021, you know, Milwaukee and Phoenix, there was a lot of talk around, well, who's going to really watch this NBA finals. And even people who weren't Bucks fans came in with like, you know, it was an exciting NBA finals because, you know, the Bucks went down that old two hole came back in some exciting fashion. So um, I think if you're somebody who likes basketball, just in general, like it's worth tuning into, like my mom is a very casual basketball fan. She gives out, I think some of the best nicknames to NBA players because she just, doesn't know like when she first saw Trey Young, she called him Baby DeBarge because he was like a DeBarge family member. Um, She just recently saw Nikola Jokic for the first time and calls him Rocky Four because she thinks he looks like uh, Ivan Drago, Drago. Yeah. From, from Rocky. So even she called and she was like, "I think I'm cheering for Rocky Four tonight." So <laughs> she's tuning into the NBA Finals and she's a very casual basketball fan. So it might not be one of the highest rated, you know, finals. It might not even get better ratings than what. Uh, the Lakers and Golden State got in the second round of the playoffs, but I think for basketball fans, it should still be an entertaining finals.
0: It, yeah, and that's kind of where I'm at um, as somebody that likes basketball. I think the matchup is uh, is pretty good, and obviously, Celtics. I think it's it's tough to argue we're not the more talented team, but we've seen enough of the sample size to know they're not a trustworthy team. And I at least I trust as as much as I despise them. I trust this Miami. Tonight, The other thing that we mentioned at the top of the show before we get more into the Bucks is uh, Monty Williams has landed a new job. Now, he's going to be the head coach of the Detroit Pistons. And I don't know about you, but as this coaching carousel played out and we saw the Bucks reportedly choose their coach, we saw Nick Nurse move on. All of these names started to be picked off and teams finding their coach. There was the Detroit Pistons as that lone team remaining. Now it's the Raptors. But I assumed all of these coaches moving on in the Pistons not getting the number one pick. I kind of assumed that meant it was going to be Charles Lee that was going to Detroit. I did not see this
1: coming. Me either. And the early reports said that, you know, they even offered Monty Williams a contract and he was like, no, thank you. I, I don't want, it. I think I'm going to take the the year off. You know, he's getting his check from Phoenix because they still owe him some money as well. I believe it's like 20 or 21 million over next yeah. three years or something like that. So I could see why he was like, you know what, I'm taking the year off. But Detroit came and offered a really, really big bag. One that's Really hard to turn down, and honestly, I think Detroit's a really good fit for Monty Williams. He was a name that was thrown out even in the Bucks' coaching search, and I felt for the Bucks, he wasn't the right fit. Um, watching him, it's like I know what he's good at. He's not a bad coach by any means. I don't think that any of the coaches that were let like, go on this cycle are necessarily bad coaches, um, but I do think that certain coaches fit certain situations better than they do in other ones. So when it looks, when you look at Milwaukee and Monty's possible fit here. It just didn't seem like a good fit for me. Like, we know he's a players guy. We know that he's good at development. uh, But we haven't seen him be able to take that veteran team to the next level yet, even in Phoenix. And we saw he also had some problems with Aiton there. So it's kind of like, what what was happening with that? Um, I just didn't see too many differences between Monty and Bud. But when you send somebody like Monty Williams to Detroit, where you can set the culture, where you have a young roster, where you're able to build up. We saw him do that in Phoenix. He took over a very bad Phoenix Suns team and turned them into a contender. So I think with Detroit and with that roster that they do have, although they didn't get a top three draft pick in this upcoming draft, they still have a lot of young talent on their squad already, and they're going to have a top five draft pick this year as well. So I think it's a perfect fit there. Someone who can set the culture. Seems like he's going to have uh, free reign to do a lot of what he wants to do with that franchise there. So I think it's a good fit for him, and looking at another Central Division foe, it's kind of like, well, they're going to have a good coach there for for some time that the Bucks are going to have to deal with over the next few years.
0: Yeah, it's. Um, I agree. I think it's a really good fit. Um, I when I first saw the news, you saw the numbers, and you yeah. thought, "Man, is that me?" Or that's a reporting come out of this is the richest coaching contract in NBA history, and thought, "Okay, that checks out." Uh, but I I agree. I think it's a really good coach, a really good hire. For the Pistons, because of that young talent, because another thing that you touched on as well, in that with uh, I think we can say the exception of Jay Crowder and DeAndre Ayton, players love playing for Monty Williams. He has a lot of these guys throughout the league. Kevin Durant loves Monty Williams. He worked with him obviously in Oklahoma City. That wasn't the reason, but it was one of the reasons why the Phoenix Suns were the only team on his list of where to be dealt to. So he has that connection with players. And if you're a team like the Pistons, at this point you have to develop that talent. And Monte Williams may not be the guy to take you across the finish line, but he can start to build those foundations and make you a perennial playoff team and develop that young talent. And again, his connection with players, I mean, that is going to be helpful in recruiting, especially as we start to navigate into this new CBA and all the unknowns that are coming with that. But you mentioned the coaches in the division. So you got Monty Williams in there now, who's a very good coach. Rick Carlisle is in the central mm-hmm. division and really the Pistons and the Pacers are the two teams that I think most Bucks fans can relate to, at least these current iterations of the team where it's not that long ago that the Bucs were the Pistons and the Bucs were the Pacers where especially that that Pacers comparison, we have a guy like Tyrese Halliburton, who's just starting to come into his own and a couple of nice pieces around him, but you're just hopeful to get into the playoffs and go from there with the, you know, up until not just Bud arriving, but Giannis really starting to ascend. That was the Bucks for basically two decades. Yeah
1: exactly exactly that which again is where I'm like that's really good for Detroit and even when you look at the Pacers I mean this season they played better than what I thought that they would coming into the season they had some injuries down the stretch then of course they were trying to improve their draft stock a little bit towards the end of the season so that all factors into it but when you look at the central division like there is it's, it's going to be interesting in a few years if these young teams develop the way that I think they can because looking at Detroit Another team where I wonder how this season would have gone for them if Cade Cunningham never got hurt. That's another big piece for them there as well because he's right now the engine that drives that team. We got to see Jaden Ivey develop a little bit more without Cade being there. They have a plethora of centers in Detroit right now. So Monty will be able to figure out which one fits his playing style better. But it's, it's similar to when Bud came on for Milwaukee in the sense of like, Sometimes you need a coach that's gonna set the culture for you, who's going to set what's expected to make it a professional environment so that these young guys can grow. Um, the Bucks had more, you know, older talent on their team when Bud came here, but he's also somebody who set a culture coming off of the Jason Kidd years where based on reports, it was not necessarily the healthiest locker room here. So I think that's a good hire for Detroit. And I see why they threw the bag at him because you only get one chance at, you know, a hire like this. And I do feel bad for Charles Lee because from everything that I did read, if Monty Williams did not take that job, Detroit's job probably would have gone to him. Um, And I think that would have been a good landing spot for him as well, because, again, when you're getting a younger team, you have a little bit more grace, a little bit more time to develop and grow with the team as well. So um, that's that's bad news for Charles Lee. And I hope that his time comes soon. But um, for Detroit, I think Monty Williams was an exceptional hire.
0: Yeah, I think it's a great hire. And, you know, mentioning Charles Lee, it is interesting now in what is potentially next for Charles Lee. I want to get to that and what's next for the rest of this staff, especially once the Bucs do make it official with uh, Adrian Griffin taking over as the head coach. But uh, I do want to uh, make a fast break to FanDuel here during the NBA playoffs, because right now new customers can get a no sweat first bet up to two thousand five hundred dollars That's $2,500, $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Uh, Great promotions running daily. It's safe and things together. FanDuel, the number one sports betting app out there. And again, new customers, your no sweat first bet up to $2,500 back if your first bet doesn't win. No better place to bet all the action than America's number one sports book Visit FanDuel.com slash on and get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. It's FanDuel.com slash on. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. And, uh, Camille, we mentioned um, Charles Lee. So it, it is interesting to see not just Charles Lee, but head coach Mike Budenholzer, former head coach Mike Budenholzer, his name has popped up in a few of these openings, but we've seen them start to uh, to settle here. Nick Nurse lands in Philadelphia, as we've discussed in the past. The Raptors, uh, I believe, are the only opening right now. And I know Bud's name did come up very briefly there, but it, it seems like Toronto, based off everything coming out of their reporting is still not really sure what direction they're going to go in. Fred Van Vliet is going to be a, a free agent. He's had uh, some some kind words for both Adrian Griffin and Nick Nurse on their way out. Uh, so obviously people are going to wonder about his future. And I think whatever it may be as simple as whatever Fred Van Vliet decides to do may give the Raptors their answer for where do they go? Do they try to retool on the fly? do they try to rebuild here? Is that something that reportedly Masai Ujiri was in favor of doing, but was kind of outvoted within the franchise. So for those reasons, I have a hard time seeing Bud end up in Toronto that it's, it's to me at least looking more and more like this is just going to be a year where maybe we get TV, Mike Budenholzer. (laughs)
1: You know, uh, it's interesting that you say that, too, because when you're looking at the openings, like Toronto just doesn't feel like the cleanest spot for Mike Boonholzer at this point in his career. Um, I'm not I I don't think I can see Mike Boonholzer being a TV personality. He doesn't (laughs) strike me as somebody. Well,
0: I'll say this. The bud that you see on the sidelines is very different from the bud that you see (laughs) away from that. But but other than that, yeah, I'm with you that it's still it's still a tough sell of, okay, turn on the personality.
1: Yeah, because the only other opening that would kind of make sense for Bud is in Phoenix. And I don't, I don't recall seeing his name being too closely attached to that particular job there as well. So um, I could also see it being a year for Bud where he just like, you know, I'm just going to take a year off and and see what yeah. happens. Because if there's one thing we know about the NBA at this point, the coaching carousel continues to move on and there's always going to be openings coming up. So it could be good for him as well, because I mean, we're not. We don't know all his personal stories, but given what he was going through during the playoffs and just aspiring like it might be a good time just to kind of reset, um, have some time with the family. He's still going to get a couple of checks from the Bucks along the way as well. So, you know, being able to make a few millions while um being at home with family doesn't also sound bad either. And it's a chance to recharge, kind of reflect on. Um, how things went, coaching philosophies, things about which you might change going forward. So, I feel like we haven't seen the last of Bud on the sidelines. I just don't know if it's going to happen this season for him.
0: Yeah, definitely a chance to to recharge for for Bud, especially you mentioned uh, everything he was going through in the in the postseason. That I'm sure a great deal of him is kind of looking for that to just take a step away and put things on pause. The other thing I would uh, bring up and wonder. Is this something that we're going to see more of going forward is, you know, if Bud just chooses to say, I'm taking this year off, but something opens up during the season. And what Quinn Snyder did with the Hawks, right. if that kind of becomes the new norm, where if you're one of those elite coaches, rather than waiting on the offseason cycle, just say, I'm going to take some time and I'm going to wait to see if there's a team that maybe disappoints. And another club is looking to get in front of this, and I can get into a, a team that fits me a lot better and is more ready made to win.
1: You know what would be interesting? You saying made me think about it. Like we talked about, I think it was last offseason when Quinn Snyder um, got fired, and it was like, wouldn't it be interesting if he popped up on Bud staff and just kind of was able to, you know, sit on the bench for a while before he gets his next head coaching gig? Uh, don't really know what's going on in San Antonio, but we know Bud has connections there. It could be something interesting as well to kind of keep an eye on. This is again, me completely speculating, but um, just being a fan of Bud, it could be really cool to see him end up back in San Antonio at some point without, especially not knowing what Pop's future is going to be, um, how long he's going to be coaching. Like he has Wimby coming. So Pop might say, I got a few more years to be here and and, and coach this phenomenon. So um, who knows? But again, I don't think we can last the Bud and, uh, maybe he does the Kenny Atkinson route where he goes on a bench, be a lead assistant for someone somewhere, and then uh, build from there. But again, I think Bud has a lot more coaching ahead of him.
0: Yeah, and um, you know Frank Vogel's another guy that we saw after leading the Lakers to a title and getting fired. Took this past year off. His name is, has surfaced with a handful mm-hmm. of teams, but he's still out there and he's in a similar spot. And that brings me to this next question of, again, the Bucks have not made it official yet, but the reports are that Adrian Griffin is is going to be the head coach. I've seen some people saying, well, should we be concerned that this news broke on Saturday and uh, we're still waiting for the official word from the team as we're now almost a week later. I I'm not too clear on,, um, I know you basically have to embargo all of those hires and information during the finals. I'm not clear on if you would have officially made this announcement on Monday or, or Tuesday. Could you have held the press conference? But that certainly is playing a role. And I would assume the Sixers are going through the same thing uh, as well with Nick Nurse. But with Adrian Griffin, you know, we spent so much time talking about what are you going to look for in a new coach for this team and a team that you know feels as though their window is still open to win a title and the whole balance of do you go with one of those proven names or do you look for something new? And I've talked about it before. I know Eric name has talked about it as well of ordinarily I'm more in favor of hiring the newer guy because with everybody else, you've kind of seen it before and you know what you're getting. So maybe I can get something unique from Adrian Griffin in this example, but I think it is going to be very important as we, we saw what took place in Boston how he filled big names out there that have a lot of experience and have some head coaching experience as well. I'm not saying you have to, to get somebody as your lead assistant who has been a head coach, but you have to get somebody, I would think, that has a lot of experience at this level.
1: Absolutely. And when you look at the Boston situation in particular, like that was thrown together right before last Jackson, minute, yeah, like very last minute. They lost some coaches along the way as well throughout the season, didn't replace them. And, and
0: now, oh, by the way, everybody else is leaving. Like,
1: like and it wasn't like these were guys that Joe Missoula picked for himself, like, this is going to be my bench. So he just kind of had to deal with something haphazard and roll with it. And they were able to get to the Eastern Conference finals. But again, a very talented Celtics team makes sense. Um, another uh, perspective looking at it with the Bucs, like we also have a pretty talented team. We at, at the core here. We still don't know what's going on with Chris or with Brooke, um, but when you have Giannis, one of the best players in the world, um, it drives a lot of your offense, a lot of your production as is. So uh, I think it is going to be important for him to stock his bench properly. And it seems to me as if he's the kind of guy who knows that as well, based on the reports I've seen, which is, interesting about hiring a new guy because prior to the hire it's not as much information out but then once that hire happens you're seeing all these articles come out giving you a better idea of what he's like and I'm looking forward to seeing what he brings to the team because I mentioned last time I was on here with Kane about the finalists that we had that for Adrian Griffin to be a top three finalist for this job uh, especially as a first-time head coach he had to have been phenomenal in those interviews so to see him getting hired and knowing that Part of it was because Giannis was like, this is the best candidate, I think, out of the three. Like, that's who I would want. Uh, Gives me some confidence in what he's going to be able to do and bring to the team as well, especially given the fact that he's a defensive-minded coach. Um, Curious to see what the offense looks like under him and what he's going to do on that, that realm with the assistant coaches as well. And also curious to see what he does with Marjan because he is somebody who's known as a player development kind of guy. Um, He won't have as much time as he did in Chicago with Jimmy Butler because he was assistant then. Roles are different. You have more time to be able to work one on one with players. But if he's a guy who has an eye for player development, I'm curious to see what Marjone will be able to do next season, especially when looking at this roster, seeing what the CBA is setting up for going forward for this team with the luxury tax and the two different tiers and how you don't want to go over that second tier. Marshawn going to be important if he's not, you know, traded this summer um, or anything like that. But he's a piece that's going to be important for this team because they're going to need as many bodies as they can. And on top of that, he's one of the youngest bodies that they have.
0: Yeah, you mentioned the CBA and we should point out, too, uh, there will be the salary cap special. And that show will be tomorrow with uh, with Frank Madden. So any of those questions you have or most of them should uh, get answered. Um, so I'm curious to check that out because I, not to get too much into this new CBA, but to me, that's really the biggest unknown of mm-hmm. this off season and why somebody you mentioned like Marjan Beauchamp, it's going to be so important to to have a guy that has a track record of development to work with him and improve him because that may be the Bucks' only path. I think we've all kind of jumped to the conclusion of well, teams like the Bucks and the Clippers and the Warriors, they're screwed because of this this new CBA. But uh, I'm curious to see how teams t- teams treat this because mm-hmm. that's our assumption. I was talking with somebody earlier today who said, you know, the thing about CBAs is you don't really know how to navigate it until you're a couple of years into it. So we may not see any major mm-hmm. changes or teams changing how they do things for another year or two, but to me, it's going to be very telling what you see uh, other teams start to do as free agency begins. And, and if the bucks take their cue from them of, you know, do the warriors say, this is way too crippling. We're going to have to package Jordan pool and, and something else for a pick. Um, and our guys just trying to, or our teams trying to shed some money to me, that's going to of what the bucks do with, with Chris Middleton and especially with Brook uh, Brooke Lopez. But uh, as we mentioned, Frank Madden, will have a, a lot of that discussion for you on tomorrow's show on the uh, salary cap special. Before we do wrap it up, we mentioned uh, assistance and who you would look into. I wasn't sure about the timeline and I thought these two guys, they may have um, may have missed each other, like ships passing in the night. And I looked it up as you were talking and that is in fact the case, but I was wondering one name we have heard come up that the Bucks interviewed for the head coaching position, what would be the possibility of him joining the staff of Adrian Griffin as one of the, the top assistant? And that was Scott Brooks. I know Adrian Griffin Ooh. spent some time in Oklahoma City. It was the year, I believe, after Scott Brooks had been fired and uh, he was working with Billy Donovan. But still, like those to me are the types of names that you would look to. And if you're looking for an offensive slant, everybody's going to point to Mike D'Antoni Um, truthfully, it does seem like a lot of these coaches that you would look at as veteran guys for a lead assistant role, a lot of them, at least the ones coming to mind uh, initially here, are going to be more on the defensive side. And that's not to say you can't make that higher because of Adrian Griffin's defensive background. But uh, if you were looking for, well, let's get an offensive genius to be his assistant outside of Mac D'Antoni, I'm not sure what's
1: out there. That's a good point. And it might be a situation where because Adrian Griffin has 15 years of coaching experience in that assistant ranks, he might have an idea of some guys that he's worked with along the way that still might be assistants where he's like, you know, this guy has it and he's someone to bring on the staff. And the thing with Mike D'Antoni, I think I might have mentioned it on here before. I know we talked about it on technical foul before as well, but he seems to do a lot better. Uh, offensively with teams that have point guards that can really run the show. Yeah. And that's no knock on Drew, but Drew is not a traditional point guard in the center. Drew is not Steve Nash. right? Drew is exactly. not James Harden. Yeah. Exactly. So it's not the exact same. Like It might be more of like when we saw Dan Tony in New York, where it's like it doesn't seem to be fitting um, as snugly as we've seen it fit before in the past. So um, even though we know the offensive genius behind him, knowing his system, I'd be um, – I wouldn't be confident that uh, it would pan out in Milwaukee if if he was a lead assistant. So maybe Griffin has some guys that he's worked with along the way that he knows has some really interesting ideas um, that he can bring along to Milwaukee as well.
0: Well, before we sign off, let me ask you this. What would your initial thought be to Adrian Griffin, bringing in Scott Skiles as his lead assistant, the man who really got him started returns home to Milwaukee for what the third time that would be.
1: Maybe third time to char. Maybe third time to charm for Scott Scales. Um, I wouldn't feel too strongly about it any either way. It's kind of like a okay, if that's what okay. you want to do here, like that's what we're gonna do, but it wouldn't get me excited. It also wouldn't make me like want to throw my computer out the window or anything like that. So it would kind of be like, That's interesting. Okay, here we go. Who else is on this staff now?
0: Uh, and I, I saw a few people ask too, what about the possibility of Charles Lee being assisted on Adrian Griffin's staff, I'm not opposed to it. I just, I think the chances are, are very, very slim and especially from the Adrian Griffin perspective that you were basically Charles Lee in Toronto and now you're coming in as the lead guy. That's always an awkward thing to have that guy still on the new team now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I don't, I don't know how that would, how that would go. I know um, Josh Oppenheimer stayed a few different coaching staffs the of his work. So You never know, like it's a chance, but Charles Lee also might want a new fresh start as well here. Like if he doesn't get a head coaching gig this summer, he might just kind of be like, you know what, I am going to try to, you know, get in in a different way. So we'll see. Again, I really do hope the best for Charles Lee from everything I've heard about him. He seems like a guy who's going to make a dynamic head coach one day. So I'm hoping to see that day come soon for
0: him. Yeah. Just just hang out and wait for Bud to uh, find his new landing spot right. and then be ready to join him. We should mention uh, two things. We already mentioned uh, Frank will have the uh, salary cap special tomorrow. So all the questions you have about what can the Bucks do? What about other teams? Who's really in the toughest spot here in terms of their cap coming into the summer? Frank will have all those questions answered for you. And speaking of Frank, uh, he also let the cat out of the bag earlier today that uh, you and I, Frank, Kane, and our friend Eric Name, will yes. be doing a live version of this show. when Yeah,
1: uh, Wednesday, June 28th, 7 p.m., Broken Bat. Looking forward to it, like, to get all five of us together. It's kind of like a the power the infinity stones all coming together or something like that if you're a marvel fan but no it should be a really good time i'm very much looking forward to it um it'll be my first time actually meeting kane in person as well <laughs> yeah. like we've been the best of friends here over over zooms over the stream yard over the the podcast so it'll be nice i might even have a beer i'm not even a beer drinker i don't drink but you know for this occasion i think i'm gonna have to crack occasion, one over with, yeah. the,
0: with with the crew for sure more surprised we're getting Frank in person than we are yeah. actually getting Kane over from Australia. But yeah, June 28th, 7 PM at broken bat. All of us will be there and look forward to a meeting up with all of the locked on bucks, loyal listeners and viewers as well. Frank speaking of has the salary cap show tomorrow for Camille. I'm Justin. We'll talk to you next time.